0: Welcome back to The One I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinson, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. How are you, Joseph? I am uh, doing really well today, man. I appreciate you asking. That was too much.
1: Well, sorry.
0: It's too much. (laughs) This is the deconstruction episode, The Church's role, part two, and we will be getting started with that right now. So this next question isn't really a question I have of you, because I... I mean, I guess I will want to know your answer at the end, but okay. there's a debate around, I guess, from the research we did, that if you start deconstructing, were you ever really a Christian in the first place? And I feel like that that actually is a question I have, mm. because there have been times where, like when I stopped going to church, I was like, I actually don't know if I ever was a Christian, because mm. I don't feel like I've ever learned it the right way. Okay. And so I guess that goes back to essential doctrine versus secondary doctrine. Right. But right. But yeah, that was a question I had. So so why is that debate exist and I guess what's the right answer?
1: So for me, a Christian is not one that just has their doctrines right. A Christian is one who has had an experience, an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And therefore, because they have had an encounter with God, with Jesus, with his presence, the Holy Spirit, however you want to frame that, they have come into a saving knowledge of Jesus. They know he's real. They know he died on the cross. They know he rose from the grave. And when I say I, they know, not just intellectually, but they know in the core of their being that this mm. is true. And so they've, they've, they come to know the Lord out of that, follow the Lord out of that. And I have seen individuals later on who I know without a, without a shadow of a doubt we're following Jesus, deconstruct their faith Mm -hmm. and walk away from him. So I know that's happened. Um, And so I do believe that absolutely people who deconstruct their faith could have been Christians in the first place. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you're
0: saying could have been, not not that? Yeah, I'm not saying every single person
1: deconstructed, right? But yeah, I do believe that, you know, people, you know, could have been Christians, follow the Lord, began deconstructing for whatever reason, and now I've walked away from the Lord. And because people do fall away from the Lord. Um, now, I know that not everyone's going to, who's listening to this will agree with that statement. Um, some will say, well, no, you can't ever fall away from the Lord. You know, he, you know, salvation You know, it's kind of this, this, this idea of kind of once saved, always saved. And so therefore, once I got saved, I'm always saved. That will look a couple of different ways depending on the perspective people are coming from. So it could be, well, you're once saved, always saved. Therefore, no matter what you do or believe later on, you were saved. So you're fine. Or it could be, well, once saved, always saved. Obviously, you're not living a life as one who is saved, so you must never have been saved because once you were to get saved, you would never just walk away. Oh, so this is it's like the same type of question as that, yeah. And where I think that no, people can have an absolute encounter, follow the Lord, and then end up following away from the Lord. And so, again, that this may be a whole other episode of topic we talk about later on. So, for me, I do believe people can genuinely have a crisis of faith, if you want to call it that, have a moment of just going, I'm done, and walk away. Yeah. And it it breaks my heart. There's almost, for me, there's, I mean, to see someone who genuinely was following the Lord and then walk away Mm -hmm. is just devastating.
0: What is the church? How is the church presenting faith that? If I have a question about my faith, it's so existentially like damaging to the rest of my faith and to me as a person. Like, what is the, what is, what type of mindset are young people who grow up in church believing that leaves them going, if any hole, or if I have any question and I think there's a hole in my faith that, that I guess the whole thing is going to fall apart. Or I guess the, my only path forward is that this whole thing falls apart and I have to figure out how to live again. Yeah. So what, what, like what is happening?
1: Yeah. So I think it's just the, a little bit of the core of why deconstruction is not only becoming such a big topic, but why it's, so devastating for so many people and why so many people who go through deconstruction end up in depression.
0: Right. Like why is that? Why is that so devastating? Why would I end yeah. up in depression if I, if, if because, I just have a question about something?
1: Yeah, because I think, well, we, we've we talked about, you know, why people don't ask their questions. Right. Okay. But if, if our faith is the most integral part, if our, if our belief in Jesus is the most integral part of who we are as a Christian, that therefore when people begin to ask questions about what they have believed around that, then I believe that that's why it's such a huge, massive kind of crisis mode. Because I don't believe, like what you're talking about, I don't believe they've been taught how to have a healthy dialogue with others, or even probably themselves, or with scripture or with God in asking these questions in a healthy manner.
0: Okay.
1: Because now they're now now they're thinking to themselves, man, if I question this, well, everything else must not be true. Well that's a massive leap, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if <laughs> I know making this really simplistic, like, but like if, if I thought someone's football jersey was fifty-nine. And it really ended up being 72. It doesn't mean that everything that I knew about football automatically was wrong or has to be reevaluated. Those those are very
0: different numbers. It would be hard to make that.
1: <laughs>
0: right. You should have picked better numbers. Not bad. All,
1: okay. all right. Fine. <laughs> they were 58 instead of 59. How about that? Well, there so, you go. That's better. All right. Makes you feel better? Yeah. Okay. And so... I think that the the kind of the point, though, being is that if just because one thing is off doesn't mean that everything I've known is off. And I do think that's a leap, unfortunately, people make, especially young people, maybe they've not learned how to navigate those types of questions. And I do think as a church, we can help people go through, you know, especially once they get into the high school age, to start thinking to begin to already think logically, to begin to already question certain things. Um, I think that's why doing apologetics at a young age, not just, to, not and by apologetics, I don't mean just learning the cool answers or the, or the answers I need to have to defend my faith. I mean, apologetics that walks you through asking the questions that apologetics actually needs to ask to then defend itself. Mm-hmm. And so, when, when, we are, when, when that becomes okay, when it's okay to question, when it's okay to examine, when it's okay to begin to question different theories that are, or different beliefs that are different than our own, those things aren't seen as threatening. Mm. That takes a lot of the pressure off. So if all of a sudden I do come across something and go, well, wait a minute, our church does, doesn't teach that so I think I, but I think our church actually was wrong. This seems to be right. I'm not all of a sudden going, oh no, well, what else did I learn? Mm-hmm. everything else must be wrong. I don't make that jump. I just have to go, well, our church taught differently on this particular topic. I'm landing over here instead and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So I do think the church needs to invite people into questioning into asking questions because and I'll say this I do think, Because of the educational system in our country, young people, generally speaking, do not begin to ask questions of things deeply until they're out of high school. And whether they're in college or whether they're beginning around getting around people who are older in their workforce.
0: Is that just because of a scholastic mindset, basically?
1: I think it's because in the... Educate public educational system in our country, and a lot of, and and even a lot of the private schools, it's we're not teaching kids to think for themselves. Okay, you know, kids are not being taught critical thinking skills. Okay, they're being taught memorize, regurgitate, Mm -hmm. and we almost do that in the church. Okay, with kids, with kids, memorize, regurgitate, but now when the kids leave, let's say to go off to college or to go into a career that's maybe required to move away or maybe even stay there. But now they're around people who are older in their job or their career, who have different mindsets, different worldviews or perspectives, and they're all of a sudden starting to question what they have grown up with and believed. Now they're doing it outside of the context of parents, of church community. And so now they're critically thinking about things because they're being either taught to or they're kind of being shown how to do it by others that are, you know, older or just a little ahead of them, you know, in their life um, stages. And so, and now they begin questioning these things, but again, it's outside of the community, it's outside of parents. And and that to me is what, you know, I want, you know, the kids, for example, in our church, high school kids, I want them to have thought through a lot of these questions mm-hmm. before they get out, mm-hmm. Not just so I can feed them the right answers, but so that I can, so we can teach them how to think. Okay. How to be critical thinkers. And, and that faith and reason can go together. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be two separate things. And I think sometimes that's what happens. You get out of church and you get into the world or get into college, and all of a sudden reason is, or, you know, is this big thing. And it's like, oh, well, that doesn't, my faith doesn't seem reasonable anymore. Well, but faith is incredibly reasonable, but, uh, but obviously we failed to show you how. Uh, so I think those are some of the issues. Um, I, know that, I know that there's also the reality that in some churches, it's kind of like told like, all right, if you have a question, that means you're doubting. And if you're doubting, you must not really have faith or your faith is in jeopardy mm. because you have questions. You know or because you're doubting and I and I just don't think that's the case and you know and then of course you got like the extreme examples of like well if I ask a question or I express a doubt I'm gonna open up a door for like a demon or something okay you know and I don't think we have to make that massive leap like okay like, and here's here's another thing too that I don't think people realize so in the re- rabbinical tradition, so the tradition of rabbis, of teachers, it was so common for the teacher to be asked questions by his students. And in the same way, we should have that space, that platform to be asked questions that challenge us. Um, Oftentimes in the Gospels, we see Jesus being asked questions by Pharisees or scribes. And yeah, oftentimes it's because they're trying to catch him in something. But the tradition of asking a rabbi, and Jesus was considered a rabbi, asking a rabbi questions, that was not a foreign thing. That was not just a thing they were doing just to Jesus. Okay. They were asking, like the the tradition of asking questions was very common. Somehow we've gotten away from that. And I think we need to recapture that of, uh, it's okay to ask the questions of the teacher. It's okay to ask questions of the church leaders Mm -hmm. and and genuinely like want to know, like, how did you come up with that conclusion? Or why does our church believe this or Mm -hmm. think this way? And then also kind of come to the, you kind of, you know, breathe a little bit when you realize maybe I'm, I don't see things that way, but it doesn't mean that I can't, be a member of this church. It doesn't mean that I can't be in community with this church. It doesn't mean that I can't have a great relationship with the pastor or other church leaders. Just like, I was in a church for 10 years, and the church leaders didn't even agree on all the all on all the theological topics. Mm-hmm. And yet we were still completely fine being friends with each other and ministering together, and that was not a problem at all. Um, you almost kind of wish at times that... People had kind of like a a view into some of our discussions, because sometimes we were on very different sides of things. But again, it didn't mean that we couldn't be friends or we couldn't minister together. Or we couldn't, I mean, we were leading the same church. And I, and I think that should be norm, okay. uh, you know, not just among leaders, but among, you know, the community of believers together to ask questions. That should be, that should be normal. And we shouldn't be worried about getting demons if we do.
0: Do people put too much faith in their own understanding of faith that anything else that they hear they think is going to destroy it?
1: I think that it's possible that people put too much faith into the fact that they already have all the right answers and that when one of the positions they held or beliefs they had all of a sudden seems to be wrong... That's what becomes more life shattering because they had like their faith was on that was more built on instead of a faith like just in Jesus and a faith in his goodness and in in a trust that my relationship with him is strong. It's almost like the faith has been built upon right answers. Okay. And so when one of those right answers begins to be being torn down, everything else begins to seems to be threatened as well. So I think what we've been talking about goes along with a proverb, which many people know, but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And I feel like what happens at times is that people put so much trust and so much hope in and so much faith in their belief system and in the you know like I, I love theology i love systematic theology but they're just categories that help me grapple with and understand god's word and therefore who god is and who I am in light of him and his creation, but my faith cannot be wrapped up into, you know, these systematic categories. And I think sometimes, whether it's the theological categories or doctrines that we're holding, we put so much kind of hope, trust, faith, belief in those things that when they're attacked, now everything starts to feel threatened and instead, we really should have our faith in the one who's actually the giver of faith anyway, and, and that's God. And so if our faith is in who he is, in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, if that's where our faith lies, then some of these theological you know, kind of categories or even, you know, non-essential doctrines can begin to be questioned without everything beginning to fall around me. Because I know that I know that I don't have everything figured out. Like, I have to know that I don't have it all figured out. I never will have it all figured out. It's a continual process of learning and growing in a knowledge of God. And it's So I'll never have all the answers. And if I ever start thinking I do, I think that is when people start getting into trouble or they just assume everything I believe is correct. None of us have it all right. And so I think that we have to always return again back to Jesus and Jesus being the central part of our faith.
0: Do do Christians ignore people that are deconstructing because they don't want to answer questions because they think it's going to poke holes in their own faith? Like if someone's asking me a, a, a you know comes to me with a evolution and creation sure and now I'm looking up evolution because I'm trying to answer this person are people afraid of that type of interaction and so they ignore the issue of deconstruction
1: altogether i'm sure there are some that do that yeah and i think that yeah i do think there's some who are just scared to ask questions they just everything's okay don't bother me don't shift and shake everything and i think sometimes people just for it can be for a variety of reasons it can't be you know not always just because they're scared to ask the question some people are just feel like they're just They don't have the bandwidth to do it. They don't have the, you know, capacity to begin delving into these subjects. I Um, mean,
0: like, are they afraid to expose themselves to anything that might question their faith?
1: I think some are. That too. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think that's a good way of phrasing it. Yeah. I do think that there are some that are afraid if I start really digging into this, what I may find, you know, uh, or where the conclusions may come to. I feel like, and I feel like, our faith should never be that shakeable. You know, like if I look up something, like okay, let's say I spend a week looking up evolution to make sure I've got you know my ducks in a row on what it means and what, what what people mean by that term. Like that should not, like I should never be scared to do that. I should have a firm enough. I should believe I've got a firm enough foundation in the Lord to be able to examine other you know other doctrines and or other belief systems uh with without it just completely derailing me. Mm. You know? Um and whether that's on those types of issues or whether that's on understanding other religions, I think we should feel like we need to like I guess maybe I do as a pastor, I feel like I need to know information from atheists, from scientists who hold to evolution uh, in a strict evolution, you know, verse, or, or strict evolution, therefore, no consideration of creation position. I feel like I should listen and read and hear and understand individuals that hold to a different religion. Like, I guess I feel the burden to do that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't scare me at all. I just feel like I should actually do that to be okay. prepared, to be knowledgeable when I talk and communicate. But I, I do understand for some people, it may feel... It may feel like they're, sh- they're taking a risk or they're really—if they start reading other things. Um, and I just don't think we have to have that mindset. You know, I think we should be able to feel very confident in our faith in Jesus and, you know, in His ability to hold us as we're examining different things.
0: Okay, how, how does the church address all this? What, what do they do? Like, how, how does the church— become more open to questions because you said that it mm-hmm. isn't, it isn't very open to questions right now. What, uh, what do we, what is the, what does the church do about, about the fact that this is a thing that is happening and people are calling it deconstruction. And
1: yeah, I think the, I think the church has to acknowledge that people are deconstructing. And I, I do think people, I think church leaders are aware of it to some degree, but we really have to begin to, I think, talk about it. Like okay. this is a real thing and delve into it further of the of the why uh why are people deconstructing how are they deconstructing uh, where are they deconstructing with who are they deconstructing and i think the church has to be you know we we have to we have to ask those questions but then we have to bring it to the forefront and say we own our part in it i think There's always been the element of people questioning things about God and church. All right? That's always been there. Mm. Forever, that's always been there. And you would have gatherings of people who were questioning things, questioning doctrines, questioning church, questioning God. Like The questions have always been there. Social media just gives it this just completely different platform, though where now it's not just you know the people over here gathering together in you know this house or at this location to have a conversation amongst a small group of people. Now it's being now it's on YouTube and other social media platforms. Let's have these discussions. This is what I'm feeling about deconstruction. Let's have conversations about deconstruction. And it's reaching, I guess what I'm saying is it's reaching a larger audience and a larger group of people in our own churches. And so therefore, we have to acknowledge the fact that this is happening and that we have got to start creating, you know, I've talked about creating space for questions. And I don't know how else to do that other than the fact that from the pulpit, churches have got to start saying, "We, we want to create space for questions or, hey, if you have questions, our leaders are available to to talk to, I think we have to start having classes. Um, it could be Sunday morning. It could be Wednesday night, whatever. I say classes. That sounds very academic. We have to start having some time where we can get together to just have conversations on these topics mm. um, for, I guess, about five months or I guess it was four months. I did a, just a, I don't know what you want to call it, a gathering on Wednesday nights that was just conversations about God and faith. And where we showed up and we and I would present a topic and we would just have honest conversation. What do we think about it? What are our questions about it? And sometimes I even play devil's advocate a little bit and well, how about this point of view? Mm. Well, really? You think that? Well, what about this? And I I want us to grapple and wrestle with things. And I think when we're given the environment that it's okay to grapple and wrestle with stuff and still hold tightly to an unwavering faith in Jesus. Like, none of these things are shaking my faith in Jesus. And it's just causing me to question, because it's not, we've used a lot of things like, you know, theology or doctrine, but sometimes it's just, you know, ethics or things like you Know the purity culture, you know, in in the evangelical circle, you know, the uh, by purity culture for those, you know, like I kiss dating goodbye and all that kind of stuff. I'd recommend burning the book personally, but whatever. And so it just <laughs> okay, you know, I don't like, know what any of that is, yeah. And so, but anyway, I, I just think, and not that I'm against, and to be clear, I am for purity of the church, there's just been some. Um, I think, very um, unfortunate books that have become very popular that have done more damage than good. Um, And and so, you know, I am for, you know, a am for purity, I'm for, you know, uh, a, a traditional Christian sexual ethic and all that. And so just to be clear, but I do think there's space to wrestle with those things, to talk about those things, to discuss these things without it becoming this, thing that's going to shake me from my faith in jesus
0: okay so with all secondary doctrines does does it matter which ones does does, do any of them matter which side i'm on so if i if i if i'm calling myself a christian like and i I know your brain is flipping through every single one you can think of right now but (laughs) if i were to randomly pick one and then look at Pick a side out of a hat. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay,
1: for for okay for secondary non-salvific ones, right? Okay, does it? Does it? Will it determine if I'm a Christian or not? Yes. No. On any of them. On any of them. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Now I do think. Can I say this? Mm -hmm. I do think behooves us to examine scripture and what does scripture say about those secondary doctrines.
0: So when you're thinking of examples, what are you thinking of?
1: When I start thinking about doctrines that have to deal with once saved, always saved, that have to deal with the end times, when is Jesus coming back? Is it pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? Those kind of doctrines. Okay. Okay. When I think of, you know, doctrines of do we have church and hold to Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday, those kind of issues, I think those are secondary issues that, yes, you want to examine via scripture, but where you come out on the end, no secondary issue where you come out on the end, does it change whether I'm a Christian or not? Okay. Okay. So, But I, I do think, though, that we owe it to ourselves. Just not. And what I'm saying is we don't want to become nonchalant about it. In other words, we don't want to just be like, well, it doesn't really matter.
0: So are you talking about secondary issues that there isn't a clear explanation for in the Bible?
1: Yeah, they're secondary for a reason in a lot of ways. Because there's there's not clear explanations. So like because there's stuff things. in the
0: Bible that rules that there that it is very clear about. Sure. Or you're not talking about that.
1: No, I'm not talking about, so make a distinction between doctrines and like ethics. Okay. Yeah. So there's there, like the doctrines, like my end time doctrine, okay? It's not going to fundamentally, it's not going to change in any way, whether I'm a Christian or not, regardless okay. of what I believe about the end times and Jesus coming back, okay? When I hold the Sabbath, it's not going to change. If I'm a Christian or not, what I believe about once saved, always saved is actually not going to determine whether I'm a Christian or not. Um, what
0: what about creation and evolution? What is what is that? What is that category
1: in secondary? Okay, we have to believe that the Lord created. Okay, right. So we have to believe in that sense of creation. Okay. Okay. When it goes to a discussion of was it a literal seven days or not? Of creation, right? I'm open to hearing different points of view.
0: Okay,
1: and so I'm not just going to put a stake down. But you don't think ground. it
0: matters which point of view at that point that
1: I choose? No, as long as I hold to the fact that God is the Lord of all creation. Okay, yeah. But from that point, we could have discussion and mm-hmm. and debate and discuss you know creation, evolution, adaptation, those kind mm. of things. Yeah, but no. But when you're talking about ethics. I do think there's clear-cut ethics.
0: And what are examples of ethics?
1: So Ten Commandments, for example. Don't kill. Don't steal. Okay. Don't covet, right? Okay. Those types of ethics.
0: Would we consider this podcast a documentation of my deconstruction?
1: I don't know. Would we, Nate?
0: (laughs) I I don't know. That's why I'm asking you.
1: (laughs) Maybe. Okay. Uh, so, I guess it all me de- depends on how we define deconstruction, right? And where you, you know. So, I guess what if you, what have you deconstructed? So, is this is
0: this my reconstruction? Am I reconstructing, or am I just constructing something at all?
1: Yeah, I think maybe I think we're in the midst of reconstruction. Okay. Yeah, I do think that. Okay, why? Because I think... Well, you would acknowledge that you had a time of deconstruction. Yes. Correct? Yeah. So, all right, so we'll start maybe there. So what have you deconstructed and where have you landed?
0: So I think I... if, If I were to call this deconstruction based on everything that we've talked about so far. Okay. In all of however long this has been... I viewed faith as an imp like the, I viewed faith as a set of impossible standards to live by okay and so when I was not going to church and through college, I was I, I guess I was figuring out a set of standards I could live by, which goes back to my whole like how what can I get away with because I'm gonna have to be able to get away with something. And not believe everything perfectly all the time because I'm a human being and can't. So th- I guess I was deconstructing that belief that I had about faith, which is I, you know, why I'm asking all these questions about like what, well, what I, why do, why did I feel feel like at the end of high school that I couldn't even be this anymore because. a a christian because there was an impossible standard that i was trying to attain Mm. and so the parts of life that i was looking at was well what can i i i have to get away with something so what can i get away with but also like what is it what is the what is the difference between people who love jesus and like really love jesus not all the other ones. <laughs> but what is the difference between between those people and people that aren't doing that? And I think I mentioned this whenever it was, probably during the church hurt episodes, but like but like what I found was that people would moving horizontally through life while gaining life experience hmm. and not going up or forward. I think that's how I described it. Yeah, yeah. But I always remembered wh- whatever it was in in when the Israelites would go up and down, and and here's what's documented in the Bible, which is when the person when the king was following God, there was prosperity or whatever the word is. Okay, maybe it's not prosperity. When the king was following God, it was you know life was good, and when the king was when, wasn't following God, the Walls were down and everyone was coming and killing and and God was allowing that to happen. So I guess I was my time away from church and not really paying attention to God or Jesus or wanting anything to do with it really was seeing if that was true. Mm. And so that was sort of my let me go figure out if this is if this faith is is holding up out here in real life. And so that's what I, that's, I guess what I deconstructed. Gotcha. If, if that's it, I guess that's deconstruction. Like do, do the, does the core of this entire faith mean anything to life? And let me go see if it is actually doing what it says it does out in the world. And so I think that's what I found in the end. Okay. Was that Yes, it does because of the way I see how people live. So, I guess that's how I deconstructed. But along the way was tons of of deconstructing all the time. I just never I I never had an outlet for that ever mm. <laughs> until coming and to your church. Because there were people that came up to me and and asked me out to to lunch and stuff. Yeah. And were like, hey, what's up with you? And I was like, well, here. And they went, oh. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah. So, you know, many, many years of being allowed to ask questions and look at Christians directly in the face and and go... (laughs) You, you you suck <laughs> like you're the you know some of the worst people I've ever met why am I here <laughs> and and uh yeah so that's how I feel like I guess I deconstructed and I feel like since I've come back to church I think I've been reconstructing which has taken me a long time because now i'm trying to figure out what type of christian i am mm. instead of what type of stuff i can get away with gotcha so i i am I'm, I'm transitioning from what can i get away with to well what is actually good for me to be doing
1: mm. Gotcha, and that that means- that's that's
0: taking a long time.
1: Yeah. So, did you find you mentioned earlier that you found um, that you were you were looking at scripture, and in scripture it seemed to be like this up and down, like following God, good, right, not following God, bad. And what did you like? What did you find that was true in that in your life? Now, I guess like, as a like as a Christian,
0: I have found that people who really do the Christian thing right, are okay, no matter what's happening. Hmm. It's like peace. Okay. And so, which I feel like people who aren't Christians don't have as much of. Okay. Overall. Okay. Which I I guess looks, it doesn't always look The best from the outside, or their lives may not always look the best from the outside, Mm -hmm. but they are, they are okay with what's happening Hmm. at the current moment. No matter what's happening at the current moment, Hmm. even if they're not having a very good time, they're still okay. Hmm. And so that's that's what I found. And so I I think that's a that's a big deal to me. Okay, because of so many years of not being okay, whether it was trying to live up to impossible standards that I thought existed mm-hmm. for whatever reason or trying to figure out why those standards or what, what real, like, actual attainable standards were and wrestling through all that all the time was not fun. <laughs> None of it was... <laughs> I mean it it was it was something I had to go through I guess in order for me to be here doing this. Right. But but none of it was fun. Didn't have fun in church, didn't have fun not in church, didn't mm. didn't have fun with anything because yeah. I was always not good enough. So yeah, that's why I've said before I feel like I've reached a, an okay point and I'm like yeah slowly on the up but at least i'm not going straight horizontal that's how i feel about myself
1: yeah and, and i definitely feel like you're you've been going through a reconstruction okay because not just in the midst of the podcast obviously but just in our conversations over the last several years because of asking the questions us you know grappling with scripture and And life experience and reason and tradition and all of it and coming, you know, starting to build back. I think that's what's kind of happening, like a building back of, whether it's a building back or building for the first time, these are the things I believe and hold to as a Christian, not because I simply have to, but because I believe them to be true. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's been part of the, for me, the, you know, watching that, that reconstruction within you.
0: Part part of that has been I think a because I believed I had to be perfect or that this standard was perfect. Being able to be okay with never achieving that mm. after thinking that forever is very hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and trying to figure out what that looks like. Sure. Like that's where all these questions come from all the time. <laughs> and why why this even is a thing <laughs> because i'm like i i have to know what the like if i can't fit if i can't figure out how to fit myself into this whole christian thing anywhere mm-hmm. then i got to ask questions until i can figure out where my spot is right does that make sense at sure. all okay sure so yeah wrestling through literally everything constantly <laughs> all day every day forever <laughs> is is led us to this thing <laughs> and you're welcome yeah podcast right. audience yeah. you're welcome so yeah so this is so i yeah i i hope i'm on i mean this should be a yeah this should be a, a reconstruction mm-hmm. and part of it but I don't know how long this is going to go on. (laughs) Like, this is... (laughs) I'm not saying it's going to be short. I think it's going to be a really, really long time. Right, right. To where I'm dying going, (laughs) man. (laughs) I mean,
1: that's one more question.
0: (laughs) If I only could have...
1: (laughs) If we only could have had one more episode, maybe that would have been it. Episode 3064 could have happened. yeah.
0: Joseph, again, thank you for, I guess, listening to all my stuff and answering all the questions. Still always a pleasure, sir.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pleasure is all mine.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, this has been the When I Heard This podcast. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and Rumble. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at When I Heard This Podcast. You can follow me at Nate Robinson and you can follow Joseph at
1: RevJotty.
0: Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.